This week on Merchants of Change, we've got Casey Cavell. Casey was a college baseball player turned professional poker player. Today, he runs a coaching and consulting business helping entrepreneurs build, scale, and exit the day-to-day operations of their business. Here he is, Casey Cavell. I'm J.R. Butler, co-founder and CEO of The Shift Group, and you're listening to Merchants of Change. This is a podcast about transferring the skills and behaviors we acquire as athletes and military veterans into becoming a professional salesperson. Each week, we'll introduce you to a top performer who will help us understand how they became professional merchants of change. What's up, kid? How we doing, Casey? Doing good, JR. Fired up to be here. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, just for context, for anyone kind of finding us for the first time, uh, Merchants of Change is a show uh, for new salespeople and, and people considering a career shift into sales. And our mission at Shift Group is, sim- is simple. We want to help elite athletes and, and military veterans become elite sales professionals. And all of our podcasts are former athletes or veterans who have found success in sales and business. Um, and entrepreneurship. So uh, we always kind of like to go right to the beginning, Casey, and start with sports. And I always ask a very broad question. Um, if you, if I asked you to kind of think back to some of your favorite memories of playing baseball, what does what your mind drift off to? Gosh, you know, I was a good player. I wasn't a great player. So I played in small college baseball. So I think my hard work and my work ethic got me to where I got. You know, I'm a small guy. I'm five foot nine, a buck sixty. So I made it to probably the highest level I could. But I think, gosh, it was probably the work that you put in with your teammates. You know, baseball is a team sport. I wasn't much of a golfer. I wasn't, you know, because I was just like, it's just me out there. And baseball, it was a team sport. So I think looking back at it, was it the games and what happened between the white lines? I don't think so. I think it was more like the team environment and the atmosphere and the dugout and, you know, working out together and and all of that kind of stuff. I love it. I love it. And it's definitely, you know, probably the most common answer we get is like my answer, which is the locker room. Like that's the best part about sports for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's an interesting transition that you made really before like the business transition that I want to talk about a little bit. So you played college baseball and then you went from a student athlete to a professional poker player. Now I, I grew up, right. uh, I was in high school when the world series of poker really blew up on ESPN. And I have actually like three or four kids that I, I grew up with that are, that are professional poker players still to this day. Can you, can you kind of walk us through that experience and how that happened? Yeah. Same thing. 2003 world series of poker main event. This guy named moneymaker won it all on ESPN. I think he invested $39 and won 2.5 million. So I was a high school senior that year in 2003 and yeah. And everybody it's like, Hey, by the way, happy 20th anniversary or, uh, is that what you call it? Reunion. Reunion. 20th reunion. 20th yeah. reunion. Um, so 
I remember watching and I was like, why is this on ESPN? Like, this isn't a sport. And then I started playing nickel and dime poker with buddies. And I'm like, hey, wait, maybe there is a little bit of skill involved in anything with skill. I'm always trying to figure out, all right, well, how do I increase my skill? How do I win? How do I beat my friends? And I remember reading this book by Doyle Brunson called Super System. I mean, this thing was huge. I read the whole thing. I'm like, I'm good. I go back to playing nickel and dime poker with my buddies the next weekend. I'm like, I got them. And I lost like 30 bucks. And I'm like, what the heck? How did they win? And I realized in poker in life, there's a little bit of luck, but there's a whole lot of skill involved. And over time, whether it's business or it's baseball or whatever, the best players are going to win. So I just became a student of the game, just like I did playing baseball. I surrounded myself with the right people. I had great work ethic. I studied the game and I made sure that whenever I was playing, right, I had some sort of advantage over my competition. And that's what I did and ended up, you know, becoming the youngest player ever to play in the World Series of Poker main event uh, in 2006. I was a 21-year-old, just got done uh, with college. And I was like, you know what? This could be a thing for a while. And it was a a hard way to make an easy living. It's it's I so I read the book too. I yeah. Doyle Brunson, obviously a legend, and and people always give me crap uh, with the seven two offsuit, and I'm like, <laughs> that's that's the play, man. That's yep. the play. You gotta yep. you gotta be in the pot to win the win it, right? That's it. <laughs> what do you what do you? Um, I'm really interested to hear kind of some of the parallels you you you've seen from playing poker that that served you well in entrepreneurship and i'm just gonna i'm gonna throw this out now like entrepreneurship is sales like i i don't like as somebody who started their own company and spent 16 years in sales i don't kind of differentiate between the two so I'm, I'll, I'll probably just replace any any reference to sales with entrepreneurship but just our audience should know that they are the same things yeah i think controlling your emotions whether you're in sales or in business or in life, you have to learn how to control your emotions. You have that thing in you where you feel your blood pressure rising, you know, your, you know, your face might turn a little bit red. Like you have that feeling inside of you. In the game of poker, they call it tilt. In life, they just call it life, right? Where when things are going good, things are going good. When they're not going good, you feel that thing inside of you. So I had to learn in poker how not to go on tilt, which is basically just, you know, slow down, breathe think and in life in business sales whatever you're playing the long game you're not here just to get one sale you're not here just to get one new customer like you're not here when to win one new pot you're you're here ultimately to to win forever and you have a long time so i think in poker you learn something new and you apply it the next day in sales and business you learn something new you apply it the next day and you know also it's managing your money managing your time managing your health because in anything like you have to be mentally fit you have to be physically fit and if you're ever in a meeting or you're in any sort of sales conversation if you're not like mentally there like you're not going to be able to execute your highest level so i think it's just controlling your mind emotions energy body all that kind of stuff so good and so true right it's like sales in general can be like this if you're not you got to kind of stay yeah. Stay balanced throughout it. Um, and tilt, tilt is a good analogy. Now, you you started your first business, I think, in 2008, which was a self-storage business. When did you decide that you wanted to be like a business owner and work for yourself? Yeah, my dad kind of taught me early on, hey, don't work for your money. Let your money work for you. And that's easy for people with money. But then I'm like, all right, well, how do I get money? Because I got to get it. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. and that's where, you know, I got it early on, you know, playing poker, believe it or not. That's how I got my start. Now I then took that and then I started raising money for businesses. Um, and I just realized like, I didn't want to have a nine to five type of job. I remember getting my real estate license while I was in college, but then they told me you have to sell nights and weekends. And I'm like, I don't want to have to sell on nights and weekends. That's when the Cubs are playing or the football game is or whatever. I'm like, that sounds terrible. And then I remember uh, looking to buy three single family homes from this lady. And um, you know, I was going to buy them for X amount of dollars and rent them out for Y and then hopefully profit at 500 bucks a month or whatever. And I asked her, why are you selling? She goes, well, I want to get into commercial real estate. I'm like, well, that sounds better than residential. So I got into commercial real estate and how I read a book, just like I did with poker. I associated myself with other people that were successful in that industry. I paid people to teach me how to do it. And my whole thing, JR, I'm not that like, I was always bottom of the class, right? I was always the guy they put in the corner because, you know, he didn't like listen or obey because I just like doing things different than everybody else. But there's a few people that do things like well in business. And I'm like, all right, how do I learn from them? Because I'm like, if I can learn from their mistakes or learn from their successes and they can give me a shortcut to success, why not do it? So I hired good people. I surrounded myself with good people. And then I just got into business. Were there, were there other paths that you kind of explored um, when, when you did like that career search or was it, was it always like, I want to be, I want to be an entrepreneur? Yeah. It was always like, how do I start something, but they give other people work to do where I could take a small cut on that and they are yeah. happy. They make money. I make a little bit of money. Cause yeah, like I remember being an umpire in high school. That was really my only job like I ever had. And I'm like, okay, I can make <laughs> 20 bucks a game. And then I started realizing that okay, could I find my buddy down the street to umpire and teach him how to umpire? Then maybe the league just gives me a cut. And that's what I did. And then I'm like, that's my very first business. So yeah, I think it was just something that was inside of me. Did you have like, uh, that's awesome. Um, did you have like early mentors that helped you kind of find that business owner path or was it was it in you from the jump? Yeah, I think it was in me, but you know, with real estate, there's a guy named Mike Wilson when I reached out and I don't even know how I got connected to him. Oh, it was through an attorney. I had to start an LLC and they were like, Hey, do you know anybody that can actually help me become successful at business? He goes, you need to meet my friend, Mike. I paid him. I don't even know what it was per hour. It was a lot of money. You know, I think it was at the time it was like 400 bucks an hour. I'm like for an hour. Are you kidding me? But then I'm like, I remember pulling up to his house. I'm like, well, this guy's kind of got some, something going for him. Right. This is really his house. He's probably done some things. And he just kind of asked me a bunch of questions. And I asked him a bunch of questions back. And he kind of showed me what he did become successful. And he opened doors for me and he coached me and he challenged me. And he really helped me. And I think this is like a lot of business owners or anybody really. It's like, what's your vision? What are you trying to accomplish? And then what's the easiest way to get there? And I had a bunch of people that I could list out that helped me make it happen. That's awesome. Um, those early days, anything you kind of look back on that, that you, you wish you could have a do-over on? Gosh, probably a bunch. I mean, I had a lot of success in the self-storage industry. Uh, you know, I bought and sold three different self-storage complexes. And, you know, looking at it back then, if I could have just stayed focused in that industry, like that is a great industry to be in, at least back in the day. Because back in the day, not really meant, you know, not many people knew about it. Like it was a new emerging asset class. So it was almost like being early to something really amazing. 
Um, and a lot of the owners were mismanaging their businesses where I could go in there and make small tweaks and make the business better. And that's kind of what I do now. I help other people make small tweaks in their businesses to grow and scale and build it. So I guess I would have stayed focused on it um, and probably hired myself like a replacement because I'm a good builder, but I'm not a great manager. Like staying in the same business year after year after year, like I don't love to do that. So I probably would have hired somebody else to run the day-to-day operations of that business. So I could have went out and found more opportunities, but I managed the day-to-day. I managed all the people. I managed all the money. And if I could have probably hired somebody else to do the things that I didn't really want to do, or I wasn't even good at, I probably would have been in better shape. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably a lot, a lot of people feel that way. Um, now, um, this is, I'm interested to hear your question. Cause, cause like the world has changed a lot, especially in athletics and college athletics specifically, right? These kids are getting paid usually to do content creation for the most yeah. part. So they, we get a lot more kids than I expected that said, well, I want to have my own business. And I, you know, I try to explain to them like, Hey, now that you're not wearing the Jersey, I don't know if people are going to pay you to post, to post stuff. But I do say like, Hey, that's a great goal to have to own a business someday. How much, how much of owning a business, starting a business, do you consider to be sales related? Probably a hundred percent. Like you never want to say a hundred percent, but at the end of the day, you have to sell your vision to somebody, whether it's the customer to buy what you're selling or an investor to get capital to raise your business or a bank to give you a loan. So it's probably a hundred percent to start. Now, when your business gets going, all right, you got sales executing the deal. And I would even say sales, marketing, like what's the difference? You know, I always look right. at it, marketing, getting people to raise their hand and say, I'm interested in what you have. And then sales, getting them to shake the hand and close the deal. So sales, marketing, like you got to know how to drum up people that are interested in what you have, but then you got to get them to say yes. And then after that, then you got to deliver a great quality product or service. So I would say probably a hundred percent to at least, to at least get started. Absolutely. Absolutely. What what do you think? Um, what are some like important foundational principles that an, a potential new business owner or even even, you know, a salesperson in a new business needs to get right? You think? I think they have to have a compelling vision for their business. They have to know, like, what is the problem they're solving in the marketplace? And then. Mm -hmm that problem like what makes our solution the best of all the different solutions out there like what makes it unique or them unique and i also think it's just really getting to know your customer what they want what they need what their problems are what keeps them up at night because if you can get in the mind of your customer and then you actually have a service or a product or whatever that solves that need that gives them a better life or a better business or whatever i think you have it kind of figured out so i think that's probably it have a compelling vision have a really good product that meets a need of the marketplace and just tell them why they should buy from you and give them a really good experience. Are there, are there things about like, so obviously we come across problems every day. Um, when you think about like, you're going to go build a business around solving a problem. Um, you want it to be a good solution, but are there other things to think about in terms of your like emotional attachment to that, to solving that problem? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think those are all good things to think through, whether you're selling something or wanting to start your own business. I'm a big believer, you know, starting your own business from scratch with zero cut, like that's hard. That's really hard. I, 
I love buying something that's existing and just make it better because there's so many poorly ran businesses out there that if you just did it better, sold better, executed better, fulfilled better, like you got a really good thing going, you know, startups and all that, like the chances of making it better and making it, I guess, are really low. But a business that's already profitable that you can make some really small tweaks to and grow it. That's where I've made most of my money. I've done a couple startups um, and done well, but it's ultimately something that's already running and just make it better is kind of my cup of, cup of tea. Makes sense. Makes sense. A, a topic we always like to talk about is, you know, the is understanding like, okay, what does good look like for 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 in, for sales? It's about like finding mentorship and things like that. For new bu- business owners, what are some ways that they can learn about doing things the right way? I think you first have to start with why. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? And it's beyond money, right? It should make people passionate about what you do. So like, why are you even doing what you're doing? Like, what's the purpose? What's the reason behind it? I'm selling, but why are you selling, right? When people Mm -hmm. get really excited about it, um, you know, I think that's when like people take action and they really love doing it. So first, why? And then what? Like, okay, what are you doing? What's the niche that you're going after? I think a lot of people, they're they're not going niche enough, meaning they do all things for all people. I like finding a very specific solution for a very specific person. So if you know your why, you know your what, then you know who your customer is, like who's your target market, great. Because I think a lot of people, they don't really know who their perfect customer or their client is. And if you do that, you don't know how to market to them. You don't know how to sell them, right? So I think if you know those things and get really specific with who are you actually trying to get? Like demographically speaking, who are they? Geographically speaking, where are they? Psychographically speaking, what do they want? What do they need? What do they desire? What keeps them up at night? And I think a lot of people haven't honed in on niche and target market. And as a result, they're going really wide and they're trying to sell a lot of people a lot of different things. But I'm a big believer, like when I go into companies, you know, 80% of their revenue comes from 20% of their clients, right? 20% of their headaches or 80% of their headaches, I should say, come from 20% of their customers. So if you can figure out who are your best customers, your best clients, how do you get more of them? Get rid of all the ones that take a lot of time to fulfill. Get rid of all the ones that take a lot of money and you don't really make a lot of money and just focus in on your niche of customer and solution. I think that's what good looks like. 100%, I couldn't agree more. Now, what what do you think, like what kind of people are cut out for entrepreneurship? Like what are some of the behavioral tendencies of those people or the common trait or the common traits that you've seen among some of your most successful clients? I think it's weird. It's they have this fire under them, right? They have this like need and this call that it's impossible to go and work for somebody else. Like I just can't do it. Like literally, if you gave me a million dollars a year to go to an office building and said, hey, go work from nine to five, you get your four weeks of vacation, but you got to show up at nine and leave at five and you're going to be in meetings three, four. Like, I can't do it. I couldn't do it for $10 million a year. Maybe I could for a year, right? But it's like, man, it would be the worst year of my life. So I think it's it's people that just hate the idea of like working for somebody else. And they feel called to something that's not just about money. It's way beyond that. And they say, you know what? I have the work ethic to do it. And I 
like to read books. I like to learn. I like to wake up early and go to work. I, I don't really like vacation. I like it for like three days, but then I want to get back to work. Like I just see so many, so many people that are like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. But when it gets down to it, like they're not like, it is really hard. You make not nearly as much money as you think. It takes you five times as long to make that amount of money. You're going to be told no a million times, but you got to love that. You got to love it when people cuss you out over the phone or send you an email and says, stop spamming me. Or like, you just got to have a, a grit and a tenacity to do it. Whether you're an entrepreneur or you're self-employed or whether you're a sales guy, just working on straight commission, like you just got, you, you just got to love it. You do. You really do. I, I can speak from, from experience on that one for sure. Um, now, what your business does now is you, is you help entrepreneurs kind of, you know, really streamline and, and drive efficiency into the way that they're running their business. What are, what are like some of the most common traps that you help business owners free themselves from? And I want to, I want to pick one and kind of dig into it by with some detail. I mean, I think a lot of the time the business owner, the founder, the visionary CEO would, would call it. Um, they're running the day-to-day. -day. You know, Steve Jobs didn't run the day-to-day -day of Apple, right? Tim Cook doesn't right. run the day-to-day -day of Apple now. They stay high level. Elon Musk, he's not running the day-to-day -day of Twitter. He actually hired a CEO to run Twitter, but he yeah. knows what he's great at and he spends 80% of his time doing those things. Product, new products, ideas, innovation, technology, but he doesn't have to worry about managing the people or making sure people are getting stuff done on time or everybody's staying focused and delivering or looking at the daily, you know, key performance indicators. I think a lot of business owners, they're running the day to day when they should be rising above their organization and focus on growth and initiatives and relationships, but they're stuck into the weeds. Yeah. How, how do you figure out if, if one, you're doing that and two, how to like, uh, like get away from that. Like, like where, where do you kind of start with your clients? I just have everybody write down everything they do on a daily and weekly basis. Just write everything down. Look at your calendar over the last few weeks. Where did you spend your time? What did you spend your time on doing? How many of those things did you actually like doing that you were good at or love and you're great versus, you know what? I'm good at this, but I don't like doing it. And if you're spending more than 30% of your time doing things that you're good at, but you don't like doing it, you're going to burn out. Trust me. You might not think you will, but you 100% will. And you just got to fix it before it gets too late because burnout will kill your business. You will kill your business because you are not healthy and unhealthy people are spending too much of their time doing things they're not made to do. So you have got to figure out what's your unique ability. What are those things that you do that only you can do for the business? Spend 70% of your time doing those and everything else, you got to build a team around you. And everybody's like, I can't afford a person. I can't, that's, that's not true. You have to afford a person. You either raise money or take less of a draw and hire other people. Because if you can free your time up from doing the day-to-day -day stuff, you can spend your more time on generating revenue, which will eventually pay for that person. I, I helped a client, gosh, a month or so ago with the same thing. He's like, man, I'm so caught up in the weeds. And I said, all right, over the next 30 days, how do we get you five to 10 hours a week back of your time? And we listed all the things he does, we listed those five things. Some of them were literally like, just hire a bookkeeper. We got them about 10 hours yeah. a week, which is a whole full day. You imagine if you had a whole full day back and then all that day was to drive revenue and develop new partnerships. And like he secured a $100,000 MRR deal 
within the first 30 days of, of blocking off his Fridays. And it's, it just blows my mind that people don't want to invest in other people, right? They just rather just do things that they don't want to do because they think they're the only ones that can do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get over, but it is, it is so true. Like you've got to, you've got to be comfortable letting go a little bit. How, how would you describe your own like sales style and process, Casey? I think it's helping other people. It's hard because the way I sell, so I'm selling a, a service to a business owner. Yeah. So let me just work through how I sell. I get to know people. I get to know where they want to go. I get to get them to tell me why don't they have what they want yet. And then it's, do you want me to help you? And this right. is my process. So if I'm talking to a business owner that's stuck running the day-to-day, -day, and that's really who I help. I help an entrepreneur, typically under 50 employees. They want to double their company, triple their company, build a $10 million plus business. I ask them, well, why don't you have a $10 million business today? Why are you stuck in the weeds doing the stuff? Right? What are you going to do to get out of it? Get out of it. And a lot of them don't have a plan. And I say, all right, well, look, this is what I do. This is the plan. These are a hundred other business owners that I've helped. You can go read all their testimonials. So I, they have proof that I've done it before. And then I guarantee that, hey, I'm going to work with you for a, a half a day or whatever it is. And if for some reason you don't get value, like I'll give you all your money back. So, so that's pretty powerful because I have testimonials. I have money back guarantee and I have like knowledge of what they want. And then they've already admitted, like, I can't get there by myself. I need help. And for me, you got to help people that are open-minded and growth-minded and realize they haven't figured it out because if you're trying to convince somebody they need help, it's too late. And I was that person as an entrepreneur for years. Wait, I know what to do. I know what to do. I know what to do. Well, I, actually, I didn't know what to do, right? And <laughs> it wasn't until I we became humbled that I became humble. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, all right. So Casey, we asked these last two questions to every guest we have. I'm excited to hear your answers. Um, first one is we want you to highlight one of the skills that's, that's made you elite. What do you think that, that number one skill is for you? Focus. I got this sign behind me it says, stay focused. It's focusing on what matters most and getting rid of everything else. 20% of the stuff you do every day, every week makes 80% of the impact. It's Pareto's principle. You probably heard it. I help yep. people focus on what actually makes a difference. I love that. That's a good, very good and concise and true answer. Um, now, one of the, uh, one of the things we always talk about is professionalism and being a pro. And we think, the highest praise that you can give a, a salesperson or a business owner is calling them a pro. What, what does being a pro look like specifically in entrepreneurship? I think knowing yourself, you got to know who you are as a person. You got to know your strengths. You got to know your weaknesses. And you just got to be able to sit there and be quiet and listen to other people. I love it. I love it. Self-awareness, man. That's where it all starts. 100%. 100%. Maybe one of my favorite answers. Um, Casey, this was awesome conversation, man. Thank you so much for, for giving us the time. Um, really excited for our audience to hear this one. You bet. Thank you, JR. This wraps up this episode of Merchants of Change. 
If you enjoyed this episode, the most meaningful way to say thanks is to submit a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in working with us, please come find us at www.shiftgroup.io. 